He's with us to, to teach us, to raise us up, to train us in righteousness. And I pray that tonight, Holy Spirit, that you would just begin to speak to our hearts, that you would just begin to minister to us in, uh, through this word, that we may see and hear more clearly what you're doing in our lives, where we're going, that we may trust you, God, through the process as we, as we see you transform us and mold us into the people that you've called us to be. So Holy Spirit, I welcome your presence as you, as you minister to each and every heart here tonight, that hearts would be unlocked and opened in a way that they weren't before. I pray that your words and your presence would just flow through this place continuously, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So if you were here last time, or if you weren't here, we're just going to do a quick recap. <clears throat> so we covered the beginning of Joseph's life. Um, Joseph was, you know, the, the son of his father's old age. You know, of course, he had another son or another, another brother, Benjamin, that came up later. It's kind of ambiguous whether Benjamin was born yet or not, you know, at, at that time. But Jacob... Jacob loved Joseph in a way that was much different than the rest of the brothers. It created that jealousy. It created that turmoil. And Joseph received these promises from God about where he was going, this leadership assignment that was going to be on his life. And of course, what ended up happening in the story is he gets taken to the pit and he gets sold as a slave into Egypt. And last time we talked about how that you may look out in the distance and you see that God is taking you somewhere. You, maybe you have a prophetic word, you have a promise, you, have, you, you know the direction you're going, but all of a sudden things don't seem like they're working well. They're not lining up. They're not going the right way. You're going that way and all of a sudden the wheels turn and you're going this way now, but it doesn't change what God said. The path may not look clear and pretty and beautiful and nice and smooth, but what's happening in that process is you're being molded and shaped and you're being transformed in that process to become that person that God says you are. It's important to keep that in mind because if we don't, sometimes we can get, we can get really distracted or we can get really depressed when things aren't working out. And then the enemy begins to tempt us with, well, God didn't really say that. Or did God say that? Or does God really love you? Would, he, would, a, would a God that loved you say, he's gonna do this with your life and then just leave you sitting there? The enemy comes in with those thoughts and he begins to try to tempt us. But we have to remember, we don't know how the path is going to play out. But what we do know is that God said this and I'm going to trust him. And I'm going to trust that he's going to transform me and he is going to mold me and he is going to shape me in the process. And it may not be easy. And what he will actually do is he will actually take what the enemy means for evil and he will use it to mold good in your life. And we talked about that a little bit. Sickness and, and disease and tragedy are not from God. They're from the enemy. But God will still work in the midst of that. That's beautiful that we have a God that can take any situation and, and turn it for good. So tonight we, we pick up with Joseph's story. A little hot here. I'm going to move over a tad before I start squealing on the mic here. Um, we move over with Joseph's story in Genesis 39. <clears throat> so Joseph has been sold into Egypt, and he's been bought by a man named Potiphar. 
He's in Potiphar's house. And I want to read a couple sections of verse thir- or chapter 39 in Genesis here. Starting at, um, we'll start at verse 1. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard and the Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of the Egyptian master, of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hand, in his hands. So Joseph found favor in the sight of, uh, this, in his sight, and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. This is, an, this is so incredible. Um, so that's from the King James. I'm reading from the ESV. It's maybe a reason why it was a little different there. But <clears throat> Joseph comes into a place where he is a slave. But the Spirit of the Lord is still upon Joseph's life to make him successful at everything that he does. This is so encouraging, and this should be encouraging to you. If you feel like you're in a position where you're like, man, I'm, I'm like, I feel like I'm in, I'm, I'm in bondage right now. Like the world has got me bound up. Situations have got me bound up. Things that are beyond my control. Because remember, Joseph didn't put himself in slavery. His brothers caused him to go down this path. Circumstances of life brought Joseph into this situation. And you may feel like that as well. Well, I have good news for you. You don't have to sit where you're at and say, God, why did you do this to me? That's not the right, first off, that's not the right thing to say. God didn't do that to you. But God, why, why am I here? You said we were going somewhere and now I'm here and nothing's working out and nothing's going right and I don't know what to do. But instead, what do we see that Joseph did? Joseph chose to look at the circumstances and say, this is where we are. I'm not going to stop trusting the God of my father because I remember the stories that great-grandpappy Abraham told and grandpappy Isaac told and daddy Jacob told about the things that God did in their lives. I remember those stories that we've passed down through our generations that God is with us and he's going to make us a people and he's going to prosper us and the whole world's going to be blessed because great-grandfather Abraham had that encounter with God where God gave him that promise that through his seed, the world was going to be blessed. So I know that God is for us. That shaped Joseph's perspective. Because he came into slavery and chose to do everything he did with excellence. He did everything he did with excellence and he didn't let his circumstances change what he did. That's a really important point here. Joseph's circumstances did not change how he was operating. That is someone who is unaffected by the attacks of the enemy. Joseph did everything he did with excellence. Everything he touched was blessed. And Potiphar looked at that, Michaela, and said, whoa, like this guy, everything he does, it just succeeds. Okay, I'm going to put him over, I'm going to put him over the servants in the field and I'm going to put him over my livestock. And this isn't the story, but I, I imagine he comes back and they say, hey, we got the numbers this year 
during calving season, like we, we had more than what we thought. We didn't realize we had that many in the field and our crops are growing like crazy. We don't know what's happening, but Joseph made some changes and he's, he changed up how we're irrigating the, the system. He changed up how we're taking care of our animals. And man, this is, this is going really good, Potiphar. And Potiphar's like, everything he does succeeds. Joseph, not only are you going to be over the field, you're going to be over the house. And then he comes to him and says, I, I don't care about anything that's going on in here except for the food that you put on my plate. You have rule over all of it because I can trust you. God was simultaneously saying, Joseph, I'm going to make you succeed because I can trust you. There was something happening in the physical and something happening in the spiritual at the same time. Joseph did everything he did with excellence, singularly focused on God. Potiphar saw it in the physical and said, I can trust him. God saw it in the spiritual and said, I can trust him. But what happens? Well, Potiphar had a wife that wasn't wiving too well. She had a wandering eye. <laughs> and Joseph was looking pretty good coming out of the field. He's, he's successful. He's powerful. He's running the house. He's second to Potiphar. He had rule over everything except for Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife saw that. She said, I want him. And Joseph responds to her advances and he actually tells her, he says, now, it says, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? I want to pause right there. He's talking about Potiphar and then he says, this would be a sin against God. There's a mental shift that takes place right there. He's talking to her, Baker, and he's saying, how can I do this against Potiphar? How can I I take you when you, you belong to Potiphar? He's given me everything. And then he says, he doesn't say, how could I sin against Potiphar that way? He said, how could I sin against God? because he understood God had put him in Potiphar's house. He got sold into slavery and God said, yeah, that wasn't the way we intended this to go down maybe, but I'm going to make you successful even in your slavery. Joseph recognized that. Do you know that verse where it talks about God takes takes things and he turns them and for his glory, for those who are called according to his purpose? Joseph was called according to his purpose and the enemy was coming in and saying, we are going to abort this future because God's got something planned here. He's got something planned in Joseph's life. The enemy may not know where it was going, but he could see God was working. So we need to stop this. So he, he creeps into the hearts of his brothers and causes them to sell him into slavery. And this is, that story, if you go back and study that, it's so analogous to the, tree of good and evil and is so analogous to Cain and Abel in the field. There's just so many things that call back to those stories in that same moment when Joseph's brothers put him in the pit. Sin had crept into their heart and the enemy said, okay, now we're going to take care of Joseph's future. And God said, well, actually, you put him in the pit and I'm going to get him out. So the enemy says, well, we're not going to put him in the pit. 
Daniel, we're going to sell him into slavery. Slave ain't going to be no leader. God said, well, you put him into slavery and I'm going to elevate him as the head slave. Every time the enemy came with something, God had something to answer it with. That's important to understand. We serve a God who is outside of all of this and who can do whatever he wants and has good in mind towards you. The scripture says that all the thoughts that God have towards you, Colton, are good and they're innumerable. We don't see God as good and as clear as he truly is. We have to elevate our experience up to what scripture says. So now Potiphar's wife, she's angry because she's got, she's got something that she wants and she can't have it. So it says here, <clears throat> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump down because I'm gonna, I've got quite a bit of scripture I'm going to read here. But basically she comes to him and says, all right, lie with me. And he said, no. And then she forced herself on him. And he says, I'm getting out of this now. He runs out and he leaves his jacket, his coat in her arms. He has fled because that's what you do whenever you don't want to sin against God is you flee from sin. He has fled and he's thinking, okay, I've done the right thing. Potiphar's going to understand if this gets back to him because I ran away. Like I ran out of the house. But what did she have? She had his coat. And she looks at the other servants. She goes, he tried to force himself on me. Look, I've got his jacket. Instantly, Joseph goes from being the head of the house, equal to Potiphar in the household. Potiphar was not a, a um, he wasn't in poverty. Potiphar was doing really well as an official of Egypt. Joseph was living at a good place. And now he's a fugitive. So what do they do? They lay hold of Joseph. And they throw him in the prison. And it says, in starting in verse 19 of chapter 39, And as soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the, of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made, succeed, made it succeed. Now, he's not just a slave but he has a prison sentence. He is going to rot in the prison. But something interesting has happened here. He's in the place where the political prisoners are. He's now actually moved closer to the palace than he was at Potiphar's house. The enemy said, I'm going to make them think that you tried to rape Potiphar's wife. And then they're going to kill you or they're going to put you in a dungeon, you're going to rot. What happens? God says, mm, actually, when they throw him in that prison, because he has been doing everything he's done with excellence in Potiphar's house, and that's who Joseph is, he's going to do it in the prison, so that's taken care of. But we're going to put him in the prison that's right at the bottom of the palace. 
So the enemy is meant to drive Joseph's future further away from what God intends. And inadvertently, he has driven Joseph closer to the court of Pharaoh. The circumstances don't look good. Joseph's now in prison. Without Pharaoh's word, Joseph's not coming out. He doesn't get the luxury of living in Potiphar's house, having food on the table, being a person that's got power, it's got authority. He's over the livestock. He can walk outside and come and go as he wants, pretty much here. No, 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 now he's in the dungeon. But Joseph comes into the dungeon and everything he's doing, he's doing it with excellence. And the, the prison keeper says, man, I'm, I'm just going to let you start taking care. I'm going to let you start booking the new guys who come in. Okay, you got it. All right. I'm gonna, Joseph, you, you've done a really good job with that. I'm gonna, you've, you've streamlined that process pretty well. We've not had anybody escape in a while. Not had anybody killed in a while. I like what you're doing here. I want you to go ahead and start taking care of the rations in the prison as well. You, you got it. You got it. Okay. He starts slowly giving him more and more authority. And then finally he says, Joseph, you're in charge of the whole thing. For all intents and purposes, you are running the prison. You're going to take care of all the prisoners. You're going to take care of the rations. You're going to take care of the conditions. Everybody who comes and goes, it's going to be under your watch. Because Joseph didn't let the circumstances of his situation change the way that he operated, Harmon. If we can get that down, the enemy can't touch us. If I can get it down that no matter what the circumstances are, I don't become different. I stay consistent. I stay on the path. Then it doesn't matter what he throws at me. I will continue to walk forward. Joseph's in the prison. Now, he's in here for a while. He's probably wondering at times, where are we going? What are we doing? But he's not changing the way he's operating. He's still doing everything he's doing with excellence. And the Lord is just touching it, just blessing it. I see people sometimes get stuck in their job, you know, typically in their job. They're like, I, I just feel like I'm not going anywhere. And usually the first question I have from Jonah is like, are you doing everything you're doing with excellence? Well, it's just kind of a dead end job. And you know, it's just really just kind of like, it's just that, it's just a step for me to get where I want to go. Oh, hold on, hold on. You are called to operate in excellence no matter where you're at. So what looks like it may just be a stepping stone, maybe not a stepping stone, but may actually be a catapult if you steward that situation correctly. And people don't, people don't equate that because they have this sacred-secular divide because they think what they do through the week is secular. It's their stuff. It's, they're, they're just punching the clock. They're just doing the stuff. But what I do at church and what I do for ministry, that's God's stuff. And God's like, actually, no, there's no sacred secular divide. I expect you to be who I called you to be in every situation. Yeah. Armin, you should be everything you are on Monday as you are on Sunday. The same person, consistent through doing everything you do with excellence. And when we get that mentality and we understand then we go to work and we realize that when I do my job, when I go to work tomorrow and I, I think we have a new employee coming in that I'm going to be working with, I'm going to be training. And I, I'm going to be working with that individual and I'm doing that for my manager and I'm doing that for my business. But more importantly, I'm actually doing that for God because God has put me here. 
So my service to my manager and my service to my employer is actually my service to Jesus because Jesus has positioned me here. And if that is the mindset that I have, then doing things with excellence takes on a whole new meaning. Because I understand that it's Jesus' responsibility to promote me, not my manager's. It's Jesus' responsibility because he's king. He says to pray that the Father, to, to trust that the Father would provide our, our clothing, our food, all these things, right? And we look at that and we go, well, but I go to work on Monday. I go to work on Tuesday and I, I got to go to work because that's how I make my living. We need to flip that just a little bit. I get to go to work because Jesus has provided this opportunity for me. My sustenance comes from him and he has made this channel the means by which it's going to flow. He's the river of life. This is simply the way at which I'm going to receive it. Do you see how this is a whole shift in mindset when we go to work, Matt? We don't look at our work as just we're just, we're just putting in another hour. But when I put my hand to something, I'm putting my hand to something in service to Jesus and I'm going to do it with excellence. And I'm going to trust that he's going to provide for me and he's going to promote me and he's going to take care of me. That's a mindset that lives in excellence in all we do. And that's what we see in Joseph's life here. So he's in the prison. Verse, or chapter 40, verses uh, 20 through 23 <coughs> is where I'm going to pick up. So there's a baker and a butler who have showed up in the prison. They got thrown in here because they've made Pharaoh mad. And they don't know what's going to happen, but they say, We've got, we, we've got a dream. You know, the, the baker says, I had this dream. The butler says, I had this dream. Um, I'm not going to go through the dreams. It's, it's literally the whole chapter. But they're like, we don't know what they mean. We don't know what to do with them. And Joseph's like, well, don't the interpretations belong to God? Tell me the dream. So they share the dream. The butler says, well, Got this, I was, I was the, the cupbearer, and this is my dream, and he goes through it. And Joseph says, in three days, you're going to be elevated back to your position. Pharaoh is going to overturn his verdict, and you're going to be elevated. Okay. Butler comes in. All right, that was a good word. I had a dream that I had some baskets of bread sitting on my head, and the birds flew in and ate it. And Joseph's like, oh, yeah, uh, in three days, Pharaoh's going to lift your head off your body. You're going to get killed. But the baker was like, can I have a butler dream? Can I have a cupbearer dream? Like that, that, was, that was a pretty good interpretation. Well, three days later, the cupbearer is elevated. He's back next to Pharaoh, and the baker gets killed. But Joseph said, remember me when you're standing next to Pharaoh, because I imagine Joseph's thinking, I've been in this for a while. I got sold into slavery. I've been, I was at Potiphar's house, got accused of rape. Now I'm in the dungeon. Nothing's going. I don't, for all intents and purposes, things aren't going anywhere. Can you remember me when you're standing next to Pharaoh? Could you maybe say, hey, you know, there was a guy who, who interpreted my dream like, you know, he said they belonged to God, but God spoke through him. Like, I don't, maybe we should bring him up here and make him a wise man. Well, 
It says in verse 20, it says, On the third day when Pharaoh, it was Pharaoh's birthday, he made the feast for his servants and he lifted up the head of the chief uh, cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants and he restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the, the, the uh, chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to him or to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. Oh, come on. One opportunity. You had one job. Like this was a pretty pivotal moment in your life. You were in the dungeon. This man steps up to you and says, I can interpret your dream. Going to put you back up into the position. God's, you know, God's going to do this. Just remember me. And he gets back up in there and he puts the cup back in Pharaoh's hand and goes, well, I sure am glad I'm here. And that's it. Nothing. No conversation about a dream. No conversation about somebody who's been made over the, the whole dungeon. No conversation about the baker who died. It's just forgot him. This is painful. But did Joseph sit down and say, God, this is it. I'm just, I'm just going to die here. It doesn't appear from the text that that's what happened. Joseph continued to do what he was going to do every single day with excellence. And he was unchanged by the circumstances. So now we have Genesis 41, 28 through 45. This is a big chunk of scripture. Pharaoh has a dream. He has two dreams. One, there's seven fat cows and seven skinny cows come up and swallow them up. And then we got seven fat ears of corn and then we got seven skinny ears of corn and and it's just, it's, it's confusing. Pharaoh doesn't know what's going on. Go read the chapter. Again, I'm not going to cover that because it takes up a bulk of the, of, the, of the chapter. But go read the dreams, I, I encourage you. And in this moment, Pharaoh's troubled by this. He doesn't know what to do. And uh, then we got this, this uh, man who's standing next to Pharaoh who all of a sudden remembers something. So he says, and the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses today. I remember I was supposed to tell you something a few years ago whenever you put me back up here. He said, when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, we dreamed the, the same night and I, uh, I and he, uh, he and I each having a dream with its own interpretation. And a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. And when we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office and the baker was hanged. Pharaoh, do you remember that? You remember when you, when you hung the baker and you put me back up here? Then Pharaoh said, go get him. Bring him up here. Satan puts him in slavery. Satan puts him in captivity. But all he did was position him in the place where God could use him. Now he's in the dungeon and Pharaoh happens to get angry at some servants and send them down into Joseph's care. Joseph sees him and says, what's going on? And they tell him. And then now the circumstances have unfolded and they need someone to tell Pharaoh what's going on. And now we don't have someone who's back in Canaan and we don't have someone who's in Potiphar's house, but we have someone who's in the dungeon right around the corner, right down the road, at the bottom of the palace, 
There's this guy that I ran into a couple years ago. Sorry, I forgot to tell you, but he can, he can take care of this dream for you. Pharaoh, Pharaoh calls and says, get him up here. So they get him cleaned up. They shave him. They put good clothes on him. They send him up. And Pharaoh, they, they have the conversation about the dream. And then Joseph interprets the dream. And I'm going to start reading in verse 28 here. And it says, it is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he's about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout the land of Egypt, but after them there will be seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow. For it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that this thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass." Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man, set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land, take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven year, uh, plentiful years, and then let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine." that are coming to the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish throughout the famine. The proposal pleased Pharaoh. So not only do we have an interpretation of a dream, but now we have the wisdom of God speaking through Joseph to Pharaoh saying, here is how you in all of Egypt in the known world is going to survive this. We just got the, the activity of the Holy Spirit is just flowing through Joseph's life. I want to I argue that that is so powerful in his life because he kept his life unspotted and he did everything he did with excellence. We don't hear Joseph complaining of his circumstances at all through this situation. We don't hear Joseph bad-mouthing his brothers. We don't hear, we see someone who just continues to do what they're doing with a singular focus. You want to see God move through your life? Keep your life unspotted from sin and wickedness, from complacency, and do everything you do with excellence. You want to go places? That, that's how you do it. So now Joseph's given this wisdom to Pharaoh, and it says the proposal pleased Pharaoh and all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house and all of my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and he put it on Joseph's hand and he clothed him in the garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck and made him ride in the second chariot. And as they called out before him, bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. And moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up their hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zophanath Panahi. Am I saying that right? Let's go with it. Yeah, yeah. So, and he gave him in marriage Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On. So Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. I should have practiced that Hebrew or that that word there, that Egyptian word there. <clears throat> the enemy meant to destroy Joseph's life 
And all he did was get moved around on the chessboard like a pawn by God. Man, that should make me look at anything the enemy does in my life and say, I don't know how God's going to use this for good, but he's going to. And he's going to move you out of the way, whether you like it or not. And he's going to move these circumstances in any way that he wants to. And Satan, you are just simply a defeated foe, a pawn on this chessboard. You don't have any authority. Everything you do, God is going to have an answer for. So why should I fear you? Why should I worry about what you're going to do to me? You put me in slavery, God will make me rule. You put me in the dungeon, God will elevate me. You put me before Pharaoh, I'm going to run the land. It does not matter what you do, God will have an answer for it. That is powerful. He stands before Pharaoh and Pharaoh puts his own ring on Joseph's hand and puts his garments over him and says, no one is more powerful than you except for me in the throne. He rode in the second chariot and they said, bow the knee. When Joseph, I want you to understand something. This is, this is Egypt. This is, at this, point, this time, the epitome of wickedness in the world. Egypt and Babylon are the two, are the two pictures in Scripture of systems of evil and darkness. And in, the old, in, the, in Revelation, it says that, that basically Jerusalem becomes Babylon and Egypt in her wickedness. It uses those two countries as pictures of darkness. God, God took what the enemy did in putting Joseph in Egypt and he elevates him and puts him as ruler. It doesn't matter what the enemy wants to do. God's going to have an answer. You just keep doing what you know that you're supposed to do. Every day, day in and day out. So I want to read something to you. This is one of, absolutely one of my favorite scriptures. It's Psalm 105. Psalm 105 is, a, is this beautiful retelling of the story of, uh, of the Israelites. And I'm going to start at verse 12, and we're going to read verse 12 to 24. Psalm 105, 12 to 24. And it says, when they, were, when they were few in number, of little account, and sojourners in the land... In it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another, another people. He allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my anointed, and do my prophets no harm. He's talking about when it was Jacob and, and he had his kids and, and their, their small little tribe of family. And if you recall in the book of Genesis, everywhere Abraham went, he lied and then God blessed him. He messed up and then God was like, no, you're still, my, you're still the one I've made a covenant with. Like you keep screwing up, but we're going to make this work. I promise. And then you, know, you have Isaac, you have Jacob. You have the whole story. They're just a small group and they're wandering through the nations. They're wandering in Canaan. And it says, and when he summoned a famine on the land and he broke all the supply of bread, he had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters and his neck was put in a collar of iron. Okay, so we got the slave in the dungeon right there in those scriptures. And the way that Psalm looks back on this, the psalmist looks back on this, he says, 
The enemy meant, the enemy worked in their hearts and created sin and put Joseph in that pit and sold Joseph into that slavery and put Joseph into that dungeon. But when we elevate our vision and we don't just see things in the physical, but we see things from God's perspective, he says, this was God using this whole situation to send him ahead for a purpose. This didn't have to be the way that Joseph got to the place where he saw the fulfillment of his prophetic word. But this is the path that it went down and God said, this is what we're going to use. And then this is the really interesting thing is, is God takes responsibility for it. This is an important thing to, to consider. God takes responsibility for Joseph's life, even though God didn't put him in the pit or in the prison or as a slave. That's the, we, could, we could sit and unpack that. That's a lot to me- meditate on there. And you see that a lot in the scripture. Every time Israel does something and God says, okay, you've broke the covenant. Now this is what's going to happen. We talked about this at, at Men's Bible Study a while back, but we, we read the story of Israel and we see where Babylon comes in and destroys Israel, right? And we read that and we say, that's God's punishment because Israel broke the covenant and they agreed to the curses and blessings. And if you go back to Deuteronomy and you read the curses, they agreed to it. They broke the covenant and God said, this is what's going to happen. But what you don't realize unless you actually study it is that Israel caused Babylon to come and invade them because they broke their treaty with them. So Israel causes Babylon to come and God says, I'm actually going to take responsibility for that and I'm going to use that situation to fulfill my part of the covenant, which is to enforce the curses and the blessings. God didn't directly cause Babylon to come and invade Israel and Judah or Judah, but he said, I'm going to use that situation. God didn't cause Joseph's brothers to put him in the prison, in the pit, in the pit and in, the, in slavery and in the dungeon. But God said, I'm, I'm going to take responsibility for that. And I'm going to actually, when I take ownership of it, I'm going to take charge of it. And I'm going to move Joseph as I will. Because I'm not going to abandon him. So you go ahead and keep doing what you're doing for evil. But I'm just going to keep turning it for good. <clears throat> so he says, his feet were hurt with fetters and his neck was put in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him and the ruler of the people set him free. And he made him Lord of his house and ruler of all of his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure, to teach his elders wisdom. And then Israel came to Egypt and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham and the Lord made his people very fruitful and made them stronger than their foes. The word of the Lord tested him. That word tested, if we could, put, if we could paint a picture of what that word is in the Hebrew, it is the equivalent to refining metal, refining a precious metal. That's what that word in the Hebrew would look like if we were to put it in a picture. The enemy said, I'm going to kill him. And God said, actually, I'm going to refine him. God said, you are going to be this leader. This is the assignment on your life. 
You're going to be a man of authority and they're going to bow down to you. And there was so much more to that. Him saving the known world from famine, he didn't know that part. God did. And God took every one of these situations and he used them as a refinement for Joseph. So let's say that there is the end goal. There is Joseph with authority and leadership. Here's Joseph with his dreams. The enemy says, okay, all right, the first thing we're going to do, guys, is we're going to try to, we're going to try to kill him. So they throw him in the pit. Joseph moves a little ways away from his dreams. Looks like he's moving all the way away from it. And then Reuben steps up and says, no, 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 hold on, let's not kill him. Like, let's, let's not do that. So then they see, they see a band of Ishmaelites coming. And they said, well, let's, let's sell him into slavery. So, okay, okay, that's, yeah, let's do that. So they sell him. Now, God knows what he's going to use Joseph for. He knows what's coming. The enemy doesn't. The enemy's just trying to knock Joseph out. Joseph goes into slavery. And he moves a little closer to that person that God has called him to be. I can imagine being a slave would refine you a little bit going through that hardship. So the enemy says, all right, he, he survived that one. So let's go ahead and frame him. Moves a little further back. But he gets in the prison. And when he gets in the prison, God says, I'm going to put him over the prison. And then I'm going to send the baker and the butler. And he's going to interpret their dreams. And he moves a little closer to where God knows he's going. A little more refined. Have you ever seen metal become, be refined before? You put it in the fire until the impurities begin to come out of it. And you, you don't keep it in the fire any longer than you need to because then it, it can damage it. But you keep it right there until the impurities come out and then you take it out. And there's this process of refinement over and over until you purify it. So the enemy meant to keep Joseph in the dungeon. Well, if I can't kill him, I'll just keep him down there. Lo and behold, God sends a baker and a butler and then sends a dream to Pharaoh. And everything the enemy meant to do, God just used it to move Joseph further. And now Joseph's standing before the leader for really of the world. Like this guy, nobody was going to stand up to Pharaoh at this point. There was no nation that was going to go toe to toe with him. And then he puts his ring on Joseph's finger and puts his garments on him and says, now you are the ruler next to me. Only when I sit on the throne am I over you. Whoa. This is huge. Every step of the way. And there's a really important thing that I want you to, I want you to take from this. Is that when God speaks something to you, Abby, you may be like, I can't see myself being that person that God said. Like, God told me this and, and I'm like, I don't know how we're going to get there. The scripture says the word of the Lord tested him. When God speaks, his word carries power. And it carries the power to perform what it says. Trevor, if that looks like I don't look like the person that God has said that I'm going to be, that's perfectly fine because the word of the Lord is going to refine you. And there's, this is where we start treading over into things that are a little above our pay grade. 
God works, we hear that God works in mysterious ways. Well, he, he does actually work in mysterious ways, and I'm, I'm happy with that. It's a mysterious thing for him to take everything the enemy does and turn it for good, especially when we cannot possibly see how he's going to do it. And in that process of seeing God move for us, Jenna, we're humble. We see him more clearly. Our heart is more closely knit to him. Everything the enemy does to us, if we don't lose our focus on what God said, it will just push us closer to him. It will just drive me deeper in the heart of God. The word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord refined him, Cody. It prepared him. That's important because there was a time, there, there was times where God told me things about like what was going to happen. I mean, I got a prophetic word and God spoke something to me. And I looked at that and I thought, yeah, okay, I like that. I don't know how we're going to get there, but I like that. But I had no idea what the process of me being transformed and molded and shaped and refined was going to be like. And there's so many times where I looked at that and I went, God, this is not going the way that I thought it was going to. Like, I, I keep trying to move in the right direction and circumstances or my own stupidity keep moving me in the other way. And every time I try to do what, what, what I think is the next right thing, it's like, how did I screw this up again? How did I mess this up again? Ugh. And God says, it's okay. Just come close. Just, just come near. And over and over and over again, I find that God has weaved himself into every circumstance and situation of life. And I don't go through anything by myself. But he's right there with me. And when the enemy tries to take my knees out from under me, he picks me back up and says, I know that hurt. Come closer. Just come a little closer. It's okay. We're, yeah, he, he thinks he won. Just let him think that. You're going to step on his head in a minute. Don't worry. It's okay. It's okay. Don't get angry. I didn't cause that. I didn't cause that to happen. That was him. I love you. We know this. We read the scripture. My thoughts towards you are greater than anything you can imagine. Just come close. I know it hurts. Just come close. Let me heal you. Let me restore you. Let me show you how much I love you. Let me turn this situation around. Just trust me. And we're like, oh, okay. And then we see God move and we're like, I'm going to go make hell pay a tax for everything it did to me. Satan, I'm coming for you. And we just charge headlong. And God's like, yeah, you meant to kill him. You just made him more dangerous. Our perspective matters. If we don't have the right perspective, if we don't have the right understanding of who God is, the enemy will sidetrack us. He'll derail us. He'll cause us to sit down on our future. And then we'll go nowhere. Matt, if you want to come on up. The last thing I want to read here because we need to land this plane of Joseph's life. There's a great conclusion. In Genesis 45, this is what I'm going to read here. Joseph has now been made ruler. He's teaching the elders wisdom. He's a young guy. But Pharaoh's sending all of his elders to him, and Joseph's training them. He's teaching them. He's got this whole plan in place for the, for the famine. Things are good. Country's thriving. Joseph's wearing the ring. People are bowing the knee to him. 
But everything was still taken from him. And there's still this hole in Joseph's life. He was ripped away from his family. His father that adored him, he's not laid eyes on him. He doesn't know if he's still alive or not. He just knows this is where I'm at. This is where we're going. I'm going to keep my focus on God. I'm going to keep my focus on, on where we're at, what God's doing in my life. But God was not done with Joseph's life yet. Famine comes, Joseph's brothers and his dad and their wives and kids, and it's getting a little hard. We're running low on food. But we hear that there's bread down in Egypt. Jacob says, all right, get all the saddlebags together, take off. And they get down there and Joseph sees that his brothers have came and stood before him. Oh, how we have a turn of events here. Joseph's standing there and they're bowing in respect to him, just like his dream. But the whole family wasn't there yet. And through this series of circumstances of Joseph's brothers coming multiple times to Egypt, God begins to do something. Because it wasn't enough, Jenna, for God to fulfill his promise in Joseph's life of this prophetic assignment he'd given him years ago. God loved him so much, he said, I'm not just going to use your life to help other people. I actually am going to pour out my love on you and I'm going to restore you. Because it's not about me using you, it's about me showing you how much I love you. If he uses me like a tool, I'm a slave. If he partners with me, I'm a son. Spoiler alert. God has always wanted to partner with creation. I'm not some donkey tied up in the barn that he gets out when he needs to work the field. I'm a son that he loves and cares about and adores. Joseph was that son. And God said, I know things are going well. I know it seems like you got everything. You got a wife, you got two kids. Give you Ephraim and Manasseh, you're fruitful. I've made you forget all the, all the hurt and all the pain. But I'm going to give you everything back. The last half of your life is going to be greater than the first. I'm going to restore the years that were stolen from you. Joseph had no idea. God didn't tell him this, but this is what was going on in God's, in God's mind in Joseph's life. So Genesis 45 Starting at verse 1, it says, Then Joseph could not control himself. He was before his brothers, and they went through this back and forth, but he hadn't revealed to them who he was yet. He says he couldn't control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, making everyone go out of the room, so no one stayed with Joseph when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? God, you've brought... You've brought what was stolen from me back to me. But is he still alive? Is the one who loved me and adored me still a living? Is he still alive? The one who put the jacket on me and covered me and just gave everything to me. Is he still alive? Is my father still alive? And he says, but his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. 
So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and, and he said to them, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing or harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth, to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler of all the land of Egypt. Hurry, go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made him Lord over all of Egypt. Go down to me. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen. You shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are five years left in the famine to come, so that you and your households and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see and the eyes of my, of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father, of all the honor in Egypt, of all my honor in Egypt, and of all that you have seen. Hurry, bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. God took everything the enemy did and systematically turned it and used it in Joseph's life and then restored to him what was lost. And he says, God meant this for good. This famine would have destroyed our family. And there's, there's a lot still to come. But you guys are not going to come to poverty. I'm going to put you in Goshen. I'm going to put you in some really good land in Egypt. And I'm going to provide for you. God spoke to Abraham and said, for 400 years, your family is going to go into slavery. They're going to go into, they're going to be enslaved by a country, but I'm going to show myself strong and I'm going to punish that country that does that to you. God told Abraham, you're going to be blessed. It doesn't matter what happens, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for your seed. Just believe me. And now we see Joseph goes down to Egypt. God provides for the family. And when we fast forward to the, to the story here, you see Jacob blessing Pharaoh. Jacob, a Hebrew nomad who had been going around the desert, but who had been called royalty by God, blesses Pharaoh. And Jacob's son has become a father to Pharaoh. And then over the years, the Israelites become strong and they become many in the land of Egypt. And then Egypt gets a little weary and they enslave Israel. But by that point, God has already made them into a great nation. And God says, okay, this whole thing that I started with Abraham centuries ago, I'm going to bring it to fruition. And Joseph played the most important part in that. But it wasn't just so that Israel may be blessed. It was actually that the world may survive this famine, the known world at that time. Joseph's story is one of I mean, have you guys ever seen the Disney movie, Prince of Dreams? If you've not, it's, 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 it's good, isn't it? It's good. It's like an old school animation movie. Came out like in the mid-90s, I think. 
yeah, there, there's, there's Prince of Egypt. And what's the one Joseph's called? Is it Prince of Dreams? Prince of Dreams, Prince of Egypt. So they're, they're parts one and two. I, I really encourage you to go watch those. They're, they're, I love them. They're kids' movies, but they're awesome. And they, they portray Joseph's life in a really cool way. Joseph's story is wonderful. It's beautiful. And there's so many lessons to be learned from it. But as we close, I want you to take away from this that when God speaks something and circumstances don't line up with it, He's not abandoned you. When you're in a situation that doesn't make sense, don't quit doing what you know to do. Integrity is doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. When no one's looking, keep your integrity, keep your excellence, keep doing what you know to do despite the circumstances and don't let the circumstances change you. And watch the Spirit move in the situation that the enemy may have put you in, the circumstances, whatever it may be, maybe your own stupidity. God factored that in His plan in your life. Don't worry. You, you, you're not going to ruin that. Keep your mind, keep your sight, keep your vision, everything focused on Him. And keep moving forward, no matter what the circumstances look like. And watch as God takes everything the enemy did He turns it. And in the process of that, He transforms you. That's the great thing. Michaela, Joseph was transformed from this young boy who knew about taking care of animals to becoming someone who had ruled a household and a dungeon. And now he's ruling Egypt. God transformed him and birthed these leadership skills in him. These administrative skills this wisdom to interpret dreams. Every situation, God turned and He refined Joseph just a little bit. And when it looked like the heat was getting too hot, it takes, oh, it's time to move the situation. The enemy's cranking the heat up and God says, all right, that's enough. Let's move him on out. Pulls him out of the fire and the enemy says, I'm gonna put him in a hotter one. And God says, go for it. Watch what I'll do there. Put him in the fire. He ain't gonna burn. Watch. Watch as I transform his life and I make him into the man who's going to fulfill that prophetic word. So if you look at your life and you've got a prophetic word, you've got a promise, you've got something that God's spoken to you and you're holding on to that. Or maybe you don't have any of that, but your heart is crying out for more. Then do not be dismayed at the circumstances around you at your situation, at what the enemy may be doing. Do everything you do with excellence, purpose, intention towards God, understanding that you serve Him, trust Him, and watch as He turns the situation and He transforms you in the process. And then one day you'll look back and you'll say, God has made my life fruitful and He's taken away the hurt that I experienced through the process. He's freed my heart from that and He's restored me. And He's put me in a place where I can say that I have seen the goodness of God no matter what the enemy tried to do.